and we're grateful uh, for how the Holy Spirit is leading in that regard. Uh, so at the same time, conversations, I don't want to say erupted, but began, uh, are continuing. I mean, the Holy Spirit does interrupt and erupt, uh, but we, with our Savior in Benzonia, uh, because they're down to a, just a few people are, are making it, have, have a great facility at a wonderful location, and it's, it's kind of hard to understand why, you know, they're not flourishing in a county uh, where they're, it's like this, I think the first or second county in all of Michigan in terms of the number of unchurched by percentage. So it could all of this be coming together in some way. And so after a number of meetings, pastor and the, the fill-in pastor there, uh, Jim Wiest, Wiest uh, said, let's have a meeting. And so uh, a pastor went over there, uh, Matt went over there, uh, Dr. Bob Newton and, and myself. And then we met with I'm going to say, Matt, 12 people there, 10? Close enough? With us, it was probably close to 20. Yeah, yeah with us. Okay, so that means the more than that, maybe 16 over there. So um, here's what we'd just like to say, and these other two men can certainly comment. It was very fruitful. Uh, having been in situations like this before where you go in and you ex I would expect the church to just be a little difficult, like, Suppose you want to take us over or whatever, um, or they just or, or to be somewhat antagonistic. I did I didn't sense anything like that. In fact, it's like we are so grateful just to be talking. Thank you, thank you for sharing. Thank you for um, letting us tell you about ourselves, where we think are at, we, we're at, what we think God may be wanting to do. And you know, no, nothing is perfect. We're at, we're on Earth. <laughs> But it was, it was a, a very conducive meeting to further discussion, not that we're going to talk ourselves to death, but to lead to some type of action because God's love in, was present, his agape, and that always leads to action. So what that will be yet, we don't know. Um, I wouldn't be, Matt, you, you guys, Bob and, and Matt commented on this, I wouldn't be surprised if they showed up here for a Lenten service someday uh, in this Lenten season yet, which I think would be amazing. And then we'll see. And um, uh, for whatever reason, they really like Matt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Who says miracles don't happen in the present day and age? Anyway, um, they remember Matt and his family having been members there. And I, and I heard a man at the, of the two comments I would make. There was a gentleman at the end that said, man, I always thought God was going to use you and you'd be a pastor someday. You remember that? I was blessed by that. And maybe it was the coach. I don't, was it coach? It was. Coach also said, when he was looking at this relationship, he said, well, there should be no jealousies among us at all, ever. He said, when I was coaching bas basketball here, baseball, baseball okay, a ball, um, <laughs> a ball game, <laughs> uh, he said, I would contact the other coaches and we would say, hey, let's share best practices. Let's, what are you doing to help your guys get better in the game? What, what drills are you doing? What, what type of mindset? And he said, there was a lot of people that said, why would you do that? You don't do that because you just want to keep who you are to yourself, keep your gifts to yourself. And, you know, if you can beat them someday, great. He said, no, we got together and said, what can we do to make each other better? And he said, there were year after year after year that we had championship teams up in this area that would play in state. I thought that was an amazing it just kind of a comparison um, held out before us, almost like a parable in a way. 
And uh, so it's good to see that God is working. I want you to be excited about God working. And I want to look to see what Bob would have to say and then Matt. Bob. I waited till you took a bite, by the way. I waited. His, his mouth was full. That's why I hastened. Go ahead. <laughs> they were very wonderful people. And uh, the pastor who's working with them now, Jim Weiss, is um, really instilling in them a heart for those that don't know Jesus. Amen. And so I just saw an energy in the room that I preached for them. Probably a year ago now is the last time I preached for them one Sunday. And the energy in the room the other night over against a year ago was palpable. And, um, and I think Pastor Weiss has really encouraged them to look beyond their own walls to Frankfurt and Benzonia and... and, um, and uh, what is that? Is that Beulah. Beulah, Beulah yeah. yeah. Don't know the city. And, um, even, even that night created ways to get going, but they really thought a partnership with us in ministry would be an exciting thing to do. Even a simple thing like we do a VBS every year that we we do the same VBS down in that area, maybe in the Frankfurt City Park, you know, down. But just how do we how do we walk along with each other to serve that large unchurched community? I thought I thought Satan was ticked off at that night, which makes me happy. So <laughs> Matt, what would you share? It was, uh, I thought, encouraging, too. It's um, interesting to go back there. I, Becky and I had not, in all honesty, we had not been back to that church for probably seven years. Seven years? Yeah. Wow. Um, so even opening the door just brought back a flood of memories. And most of them are the people that were there who I, I don't... I didn't know everyone in that room. Some of the people were newer, but um, you know, I consider them all friends. And uh, hmm. so it, it was nice. And I don't know exactly where I fit into that, but um, who does? Yeah. Certainly, it seems there is opening. a calling, an opening, yeah, an opportunity. Oh, I love that word, calling. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I do. You know, specialized ministry path. What special ministry are they going to be in? Serves under. That would be Pastor Tanetti, who, by the way, was outstanding. I know it's not a surprise. He was outstanding. He's a great leader. I know he's younger. I look up to him. And um, what, a, just, uh, what a great man of God. It handled himself well, represented this church and the Lord Jesus well. And, and uh, these two guys are, you know, Bob and, and Matt, just gifts to the Lord. And to see this happening, it's just a, it's a marvelous time. So just know that God is working and moving and... and uh, you know, the spirit in the Old Testament, the word was ruach, and in the New Testament, it's penuma. Both mean wind. And he heard that in the lesson today, too. You don't know where the, you don't know where the Holy Spirit's coming from or where he's going. And what that basically says to me is, hang on. <laughs> hoist, hoist the sail of faith and hang on. And uh, we'll see what happens. Any other comments or questions? I Chelsea. Have, I have a question. Yep. Um, what is the makeup of the congregation currently? I know it's small. Are there families? Is it... Hmm. I, I think, go ahead, Bob. There's a lot of white hair. There's, there's, there's a lot of younger, I'd say they, their desire is to have younger people. I heard that continually. There was a young man at the meeting. Yes. Who, uh, oh. Who um, loves the church, loves being there, and he's engaged to a Native American lady from the, UP. From the Upper Peninsula. And um, he, was, he spoke quite a bit, actually, and... Um, excited about what could be done in the community. 
and then there's middle age and then some grandparents who were really jazzed about how you reach children. Big, big, that was probably the biggest conversation was reaching the children. So one or two of them had come to church here before and the comment was, they've got children. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I right? think there are very few children yeah, there you go. the attendees. Um, I think there's a lot of desire to reach out. Absolutely. To, and maybe improve on it or change that. biggest thing for me is not so much the congregation there, but just the community in which God placed them. Wow. It is no question. It's an incredible mission field. And, and it, I mean, you just look around the community and just do a little tiny, what they call ethnographic study, mm -hmm. just kind of look at stuff to give you a sense of the, the population. This is just dying for harvest. That whole community is, that's for sure. That's amazing. That's for sure. All right. Sarah. Well, that was sort of along that same line. I was going to ask, where do you, where do they see? They, like you already said, Bob, that it's ripe for harvest. I was thinking, do they see the Lord working in certain areas right now where they want to mm -hmm. jump into, or is it still sort of the beginning, even before that, starting to look around and see where God's working and where we can join in? I, it was interesting to me as I listened that there are teacher, there were a number of teachers there, or at least two, maybe three. Uh, one was from Manistee, I know, oh, from Muskegon, and uh, she had come in after a bit, but there are, there are two teachers that are still employed, and they just have a love for the kids, and they see them, lives being squandered. That's what, I, I talked to them That's afterwards. The other side was um, um, conversation about those addicted addiction issues oh. um, and that our jail is primarily those that are jailed right now are, are primarily jailed there for drugs or alcohol abuse and um, and the opportunity to really out, uh, reach out in that area especially like celebrate recovery or something like that would be and they Amazing. Were quite open to that very they've been doing some work among some of the trailer parks and the one thing they got and I was so <laughs> pleased to hear this you know, they're not coming to our activities. Maybe we need to go... To them. <laughs> yes. Well, I know Frankfurt building some more housing and things like that for, you know, seasonal workers, and there's a big push throughout this whole area to get housing for all income levels. Right. And I was thinking that could be like a, you know, that can be a center spot to a point, a touch point to go into It would be great. I just think, you know, even listening, listening to the message today, um, let this Holy Spirit work. Let the, let the Holy Spirit, you know, where is he going to raise those winds? He's got it done. Are we ready and, and willing to follow? And uh, what, would, what would God say to us? What would he ask us to do and listen to? And I think we need to be open and brave and bold and then uh, make some mistakes maybe, but keep on pushing forward with the gospel. It's still the power of God. And I, what Bob picked up here, the, there was a young man there that, had addiction issues that, that did speak a lot. He's, he was bold about it. But uh, you know what? It, it, there, he, he knows a lot of people that, have, that are in that situation. And uh, God be praised. Let's see what can happen. I think that's about all. Go ahead. Go ahead. Please. So one other thing, and he did bring up, and I think everyone thought about it, 
honesty and appreciation. He just had to ask, my fiance may not feel comfortable in this congregation. Um, Native American. For a number of reasons, not just being Native American, but her world was very different from the so-called normal world of the Lutheran who grew up. Because we went around the table and everyone gave their Lutheran pedigree from, you know, <laughs> six generations back. It was fascinating. You know? And uh, the pastor said, well, I was a Methodist. And we all went, boo. But, uh, <laughs> but he just said, you should be walking into a foreign world, not only a, a world where people don't know her background or the rough life she's been through and whether that would make her, you know, uncomfortable. But then he did say worship here would be a totally other world experience. Yeah. And even a couple of people said, well, it is still for us, and we've been Lutherans a long time. We get lost into him, no one, things like that. So there was just... But I thought it was an open it was, spirit. It was an open spirit, and I thought, okay, this is what's huge. If we're going to reach out to this community, the hearts have to be open to Lord. We want to reach out, but we want to do it only the way we feel most comfortable. So I sensed an openness to that too. <coughs> yes, Esther. Um, one of the things that uh, I thought Ted did a good job when he was here is uh, he tried to make the church more approachable and the worship services a little more user-friendly and printing out the whole service mm -hmm. so people, when they came in to visit, which a lot of people would, they see this church and they want to see what it's like inside and they come in yeah. and they get lost in their liturgy. And <laughs> but having it all printed out like that and kind of... Um, making it more understandable. Yeah. You know, user friendly. People that, that uh, hadn't been raised as a Lutheran, you know? So that might be an idea for them to, to uh, kind of open it up a little bit. They, they did talk about uh, an like an alternate service of some kind at a different time. So it, no, nobody wants to take away anything, but what would that look like? Nobody knows yet, but. They were very open, and that, that was amazing to me, and a, and a blessing. But a good thought, Esther. Thank you. Yes, sir. I tell you what, yes, ma'am. Let the wife speak here. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I was to that. Uh, but one of the things when the new hymnal first came out, we weren't using it yet, but we did visit our daughter's church, and it just happened that that Sunday in their Bible class, the pastor was going through the hymnal and explaining, explaining it what was where. Mm -hmm. Always I helpful. Never done before in any of the other hymnals, you know. So like, it starts on page one and it goes right through where the other hymnals we had go here and then you had go there, back and forth. So page one is I don't know if I have a hymnal in front of me, but whatever page one is, but that's the beginning of the.
Sure. And then the hymns follow all of the liturgies, but they follow with a, whatever page that is on, rather than hymn number one. And number consecutively now. Yeah, it's very, yeah. to me, you know, that was very good. Helpful. To just explain that to, you know, a lot of families. Sure. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, we're, we're blessed to be in a, in a wonderful church here. Um, pastor, I know, puts the liturgy in the bulletins. He ex I, I, I listen, he explains as we go along. I think that's incredibly helpful. He's very aware, and especially because of camp, that there's so many visitors here and tries to find every way imaginable to be inclusive. Um, and and it's, it's wonderful. I mean, I, I appreciate that. I, I do appreciate other forms, too. Uh, maybe that's what this church up there will look at. They were talking about something, but you know, you have to be careful. We want to be careful. We want to be faithful and, and do what the Lord wants. But I tell you what, you certainly find that here, and I and I am grateful. All right, all right. Uh, this is your opportunity next to uh, do anything you want with the message. But I thought I would. I wanted to start with this because I thought it would be fun. John three sixteen, right? I actually mentioned his name. I'm going to see if you all were listening. So uh, this actually was written, if you're, if you're interested, by an ESPN reporter uh, in 2012. I found it on the internet, so you know it's true. Um, and he actually titled something, Eerie Coincidences. Eerie Coincidences Related to John 3.16. All right? So now I'm going to quote. There's no need to embellish in this story at all. Facts speak for themselves. On January 8, 2009, in the BCS, Bowl Championship Series, right, College Series, the college game, then quarterback for Florida. Tim Tebow. That's right. Thank you. Somebody was listening and or remembers. Good. Tim Tebow wore eye black, but with the inscription in white that was John 3.16. There you go. Um a reference to the Bible passage that says, this is in the article, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. On January 8th, 2012, three years to the day later, uh, that caused millions of football fans to Google the meeting. So he went back and checked with Google. Millions of people checked on that verse. Three years to the day, Tebow, play, Tebow played his first NFL playoff game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Anybody remember this? Denver, Mile High Stadium. And Tebow threw for how many yards? Anybody want to guess? 316. 316. Way to go, Chelsea. It's like you know trivia or something. <laughs> 316 yards. Anybody want to know what was the average Per completion catch yardage wise, thirty-one point six. Thirty-one point six yards, the highest single game postseason completion average in NFL history. Oh, it doesn't end there. Ben Roethlisberger's second quarter interception, interception which led to a Matt Prater field goal and a seventeen-six Broncos lead, came on. Third and 16, exactly! <laughs> Way to go, Miss Trivia. All right. Came on a third and 16. The Steelers finished the game 
with a time of possession of, it's a little harder to get here, a time of possession of 3106. So there's an O in there. 31 minutes and 6 seconds. And at the time, Tebow threw the, yard, uh, the game-winning 80-yard touchdown pass to Demetrius Thomas, the NFL's longest postseason pass in overtime history. And when it happened, CBS's final quarter-hour overnight ratings were 31.6, a massive 31.6. Isn't that crazy, dude? Come on! That's crazy. <laughs> All right. I know Ryan always comes up with these things, and I just said, you know what? I think I'm looking for something, too. So. <laughs> All right. God bless, Pastor. All right. Um, so you're hearing about the spirits moving up at our Savior in Benzonia, how he is working mightily in this church, and all of you have seen it and know it and love to be a part of it, and that's just how God works. Um, so uh, that this would happen between these two churches, wonderful. The land across the street is purchased, and you know that it's being, there's dreams about what, it wasn't like how can the church use this to really better ourselves, and in the end it will. It was what can we do to reach the community? What would be a blessing to them? And I know those plans are still being formulated, but it's great to dream. And what, and I'm going to tell you this, I'm just going to tell you this now. God is going to bless it. You want to know why? It's, it's, it is doing what he would do if he were here. What can I do for the world? What can I do for the world? And that's why I think our Savior Benzonia, that whole episode and what God's going to do here in his mercy and grace is going to be blessed. It's what can, what can happen for the world in that area. Um, so he said, keep that in mind. Keep that in front of all the people. God is working. And I said, well, I'd love to throw in there something. Uh, Bob is a missiologist here par excellence to the extreme. And uh, I, I love working with him. Uh, we're in a group together called Mission Partners Platform. He does teaching and writing about missions everywhere. I had him speak to our board of directors, our circuit visitors when I was uh, uh, president for Michigan, and uh, loved all that. And uh, quite frankly, right now, I get to work with him every other Saturday, the way it's working, and putting some insulation. We built a garage, and we're doing that right now, other things. And uh, there's always something that comes up. And uh, you, you can't help but get excited about the mission of God, which is what this is about, the Missio Day. So I thought, I said, Pastor, I'd love to do something like that with your people, just talk about, uh, with our friends here, about the mission of God. And he said, go for it. So here we are. So um, you can see number four there, unless you want to make any other comments on the message. This is an opportunity, as I would tell my people, to be critical. And it was amazing how much they never held back. So, if, <laughs> so we're polite here. <laughs> you're polite here. All right. Anything? We're okay? All right, good. Let's get, let's get into this then so we can have some time. Any theology of missions and missional activity itself rests on a biblical foundation of God's mission to reconcile the entire world to himself through his son, Jesus Christ. This is from 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 20. That's what's indented at the bottom. Now, all of these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and, by the way, gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, 
and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So now the ministry and the word of reconciliation. Therefore, what are we? We're ambassadors for Christ. As though Christ were making an appeal through us. We beg you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. This is what God wants us to live life for. If you want to know how life is to be focused, I, I am guilty. I am guilty of being distracted. Do not talk to my wife about that. I am guilty of being distracted from what God really wants from us in life. And that does not mean you can't fulfill your vocation. Uh, be an engineer, be a doctor, be an insurance agent, be a lawyer, be a, a landscaper, cut grass, whatever. But our focus should be on glorifying God and especially telling others about Jesus Christ. So rather than playing an adjunct role in theology, and boy, can we as Lutherans get sidetracked. I'm just saying. Theology and practice. God's mission, the Missio Dei in Latin, stands at the heart of who we are, our identity as Christians and as Lutherans, confessing God's great love for and true gospel message to the world. Any comments there? Because it gets better. Okay, we'll go on. The Missio Daily rightly serves then as the primary lens but here's where Lutherans get caught up. I think we've lost this. I'm going to continue to say the primary lens and how we view life and how we read the scripture alongside of where we're, we really get into it. Law and gospel, right? Judgment, grace. And these divisions are wonderful. These understandings, these hermeneutics, are, they're phenomenal to help us understand, but not to the detriment or loss of the primary lens of the Missio Dei, justification, sanctification, through which now, this is the right lens of the Missio Dei, we read the scriptures and apply its message to ourselves, our congregations, and our world. In short, the mission of God determines our being and purpose, our vocation, I'll go back to purpose even as a synod, and our biblical confession in the world. Let me just take you back to Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. Great Gospel. Uh, you really you begin to start seeing letters, uh, red letters in the Bible in Matthew chapter 5. <coughs> Anybody know what the red letters are? Jesus speaking. There you go. That's what it is. Jesus speaking. Uh, the red letters, right? Red letter edition. First sermon. It's Sermon on the Mount, right? Starts with the Beatitudes. That's, it's kind of interesting. I've said this before. I don't know, if, to me, if that was the best way to start. Blessed if you are persecuted. And blessed if you are, you know, everything else bad. Uh, it, sort of. And then he goes, there's, but there's a, there's a benediction that comes with it. But then he, as he's speaking, and people are mesmerized. These are Jews that are following him. And they're mesmerized. And he says to them at the very beginning, this is like maybe seven verses into that sermon, you are the salt of the earth. If salt loses its saltiness, what value is it? You're the salt of the earth. And then he says, and you are the light of the world. So at the very beginning, even with the Beatitudes, saying it's not going to be easy. You're going to face a lot of difficulties in life. But guess what? Through it all, I want you, I want you to be who you are. Salt of the earth and light of the world. Okay? You all know the end of that gospel. And, and I do believe it's interesting how he starts and how it ends, right? 
And it's all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Don't you love this? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now you go. (laughs) It's all mine, but you're the plan. You're plan A. And by the way, there is no, there's no plan B. This is, this is who we are. This is our identity. It's our purpose. It's our blessing. It's our, it's our uh, uh, as I said, DNA in which we fellowship with God, I believe, in, on the closest and deepest level. God's mission is summarized in our Lord's testimony as recorded by St. John. And I, I think you've heard this recently. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not, his purpose in sending Jesus was not to send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Wow. And then when you hear at the end, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. This is the crucified, resurrected Christ speaking to the church. All authority in heaven. Now, someday I will get to heaven and ask, and I'll do it in my most polite fashion. What were you thinking? Us? I mean, look at us. But he is calling us into the adventure of the Christian life that he designed with his Father and the Holy Spirit from all eternity. While much can be deduced from our Lord's words, here in John 3.16. There are four specific emphases that especially inform our work together. Any comments before we get into these four? Bob, please. Yeah, just that point of all authority in heaven and earth, and now going there for baptized or disciple nations. At the end of that, he says, I'm with you to the close of the age. Yeah. So I kind of like to read that first part. Go into the, you know, as you go with me, into the world, uh, as you go with me into the world. He didn't leave and leave us in charge. He's inviting us to join him. To join him. That's the key point. And I think that takes the edge off of our fear. All we're doing is following, following Jesus. He wants to go. Yeah, please. Jeff. Um, in the, uh, um, I, I just started the third season of The Chosen. I don't know if you watched the, oh, outstanding. the uh, yes. Chosen. And uh, it's, uh, the season starts off where he's sending out the disciples two by two. And just their like confusion and anxiety is, is they portray it so well. I mean, and, um, and they, when they come back, there's, I think it was when they come back, they're discussing it. And they're and they're debating that basically it said they didn't understand what they were doing, and then they they were asked like, um, did did Jesus want us to understand before we went out and did this work? Because Jesus kind of because I think That's it was a great question by the way. One guy said, like, did I miss a ceremony? I, how are we supposed to go out? Like, how does this happen? You know? I'm not ordained. I am not ordained. But so, I mean, that's not in scriptures per se, but it's a reasonable question. It's like, they are sent out. These are, these are not the best students. These have just been following Jesus, and all of a sudden, this is basically, we're after the sermon on the, on the uh, mount, and they're like, now, go and do all this stuff. I've given you authority to do it. And they're like, us? What, what are we going to do? You know? But anyways, I, I thought it was a good portrayal of what we all go through. It's like... What? I, I should know more. 
I should be more educated if I'm going to go do this stuff. Doesn't this give right? you hope, though? Yeah. I mean, it does me. Yeah. It's like, you, you could use them. Right. I have a chance. Right. Amen. Yeah, Hans. Is that a chosen thing? <laughs> <laughs> get out your favorite chosen moments. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Let's get into these then. So here are, uh, again, like four specific emphases. Number one, God's mission, Missio Dei, centers, centers in the person and work of Jesus Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ, period. And I'm going to start there with the period. So from start to finish, you want to turn it over, from start to finish now, the Missio Dei belongs to God. It's not like he handed it off. All authority in heaven and earth was given to me. Now, okay, you guys go. So what, what Bob was saying, absolutely correct. No, it's not he left it to us and we're on our own. It's that we're going with him and he's calling us into the privilege of being a part of why he came. Why he came to seek and to save the lost. From start to finish, the Missio Dei belongs to God and his love for the world. His unconditional and unmerited love defines all that God is. Remember, God is love. All he is and does. It's a love of action. 1 John 4. And by the way, I put some of those verses right down below in that indented section. Beloved, and by the way, this is agape. This is agape love that we talked about today. Care and concern, right? Uh, action, often with personal sacrifice. Beloved, let us love one another. Wouldn't that be great if we did this for one another? We had concern for one another? comprehended everybody's needs. Just, just think about your spouse. Just think about your spouse. You're concerned. You comprehend their needs. You do something that's going to help them become a better Christ follower, whatever it is, even at the expense of personal sacrifice. Now, I know Bob's a pastor. Um, I, I ended, and was a district president. I had served in both of those roles. And I can tell you, Pat would tell you, but I'd rather tell you, because <laughs> I'm going to tone it down. <laughs> um, I, you know, I'd bring, I'd bring my work home. I'd bring my work home. And I would be, if I left the office frustrated, that's how I'd enter the house. Or if I was upset, or I felt attacked, that's just part of the, what you, you, that's what the office is sometimes. Um, I, I would bring some of that home. I'd just bring it home. And, and I knew it caused problems because my concern at that moment was not Pat. It was, honestly, as I came to see it, me. <laughs> and shame on me. Shame on me. And so I learned a brother that I actually confessed that to said, here's what you need to do. You know, half a mile from your home, pull off. Pull off. Pull off the road. And just say a prayer. And say, God, I know what I'm like. 
please forgive me. Help me to try and focus, center on the gift that you gave me and Pat. I did that for a while, and it was great. I'm not saying I was, I mean, no one's ever perfect, but it was sure better. I don't know that she'd say that, but I thought it was, it was better. So I'm just saying, think of the other person. Love, love the way God has loved you. And apply that. When you, you know what? It says love here. Jesus also said love your enemy. What? What? Think about it. Agape. Have concern. Why is this guy your enemy? Comprehend their needs. So I worked with someone very difficult this past summer and fall. I don't want to say I was an enemy, but I tried to have concern and comprehend. And I came to this understanding from the individual. I don't know that they really know Jesus. They think they do. But when you dismiss a good part of the Bible, it's like, mm, I don't know if we have the same Jesus. And it's hard. It's hard. Had concern for them actually tried to talk about it and was given a different understanding and actually some tapes to watch. And uh, it was hard for me just to talk to the person, just hard. And I don't think I exercised the best definition of agape love, but tried. Still am. We'll see what happens. Pray about that. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves, catch the born here again, right? Born again? is born of God and knows God. The one who does not know God, the one who does not love, doesn't know God. For God, here it is, here's essence, is love. By this the love of God was manifested in us. Remember action? That God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the payment price that stills his wrath for our sins. Beloved, here's the catchphrase. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So from start to finish, the Missio Dei belongs to God in his love for the world. His unconditional and unmerited love defines all that God is and does. God's love consists in this, that he gave his only begotten son. Our Lord states in Matthew 9 and 28 that he has been given divine authority to carry out his father's mission to save the world. As the father's divine emissary, Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth to administer God's forgiveness of sins to the whole world. So God's mission then centers in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross by which he draws all people to himself, John 12, 32. His mission consists of three actions. As the law, the prophets, and the Psalms foretold. And this is found in Luke 24. I expanded a little bit here, 44 through 49. Now, Jesus said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written, 
that the Christ would suffer, the Christ is Messiah, the anointed one, that Christ, the Christ, would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day. And that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to a select few. I'm hoping that's not what your version says. <laughs> to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. Beginning there. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. Anybody want to guess who that is? Pardon me? The Holy Spirit. I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay into the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So his mission consists of three actions as fulfilled in the law, the prophets, and the Psalms, and here they are. His death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, and his proclamation of the gospel to all nations. Catch what I said there. His proclamation. Now look at the verse here from Acts. As St. Paul witnessed before King Agrippa, this is what he said, the Christ must suffer, and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. We carry on the ministry of Christ entrusted to him and shared now with us. Thus, we confess that the Missio Dei is Christ's mission, first, foremost, and forever, period. Participation in God's mission individually as Christians and corporately as the church takes place only in and through Christ Jesus. Any thoughts? Any sharing? Concerns? Yeah, Esther. What you're going through here is so um, reminiscent, I guess, of uh, Greg Finke's um, mm. joining Jesus on his mission. Great. Ambassador support um, uh, group things that Pastor is doing, you know, teaching people the, the simplicity of, <laughs> of being Christ's ambassador. Right. Basically, is this undying faith in Jesus and listening. You know, what are you up to today, Jesus? Yeah. Thing, you know, and joining in with him in your everyday life, on your walk to the post office or whatever it might be. Yeah. You know, he's there with you. And he has these divine appointments, people you run into. That's right. And you never know a few kind words, what that will do. It's amazing. You know, and, and people later, you know, come back. And uh, I had the privilege of, of um, being with a, a lady in Naples. Mm -hmm. I still miss her. Oh, she died. Okay. Before she died. Okay. And was able to share Christ with her. That's wonderful. And that's, th that can make an eternal difference. Yeah, but it took six years. <laughs> Just back and forth. Yeah, yeah I get it. Um, I, Greg and I are friends. In fact, we see if you catch this name. He and I went to the Beeson Institute together. Anybody heard of the Beeson lately, recently? That's where there is a, 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 there's a breakout of a revival. 
You know, some people question what's going on there, but that's where we've gone. I've been in the chapel there before. And uh, I don't know how many have seen Jesus Revolution, the movie. I'm just going to recommend it. Just recommend it. And uh, pray that we're all open to the spirits moving because I think it's time. And I think the time is right and ripe. And uh, we're going to see what happens here. I'm going to share something. And I'm going to have Bob. I'm going to set Bob up here, actually. So uh, Bob and Priscilla came. Uh, they were visiting us at the time. They, had, they did not have property here, but I, I served as their realtor and found, kept, kept looking. And um, yeah, I'm so thankful to God. And uh, we were at a restaurant, I think it was Black Star Farms Winery. And we went for a meal there. And it's something that we, I don't know where we picked it up, but we, we both will ask are the waitress, is there anything that we can pray for you about? And it's like, I've only been turned down once. It's like, really? No. Everyone else is, well, that's nice, or that, they, wow. Um, never, sure. This is not in place of a tip, is it? No. Um, <laughs> but generally, you know, people are very open, and they share something. You know, quite often it's general. Sometimes it's amazing that it's very specific, and other times I've had people just stay and pray. They just want to stay there and pray. Uh, so we did this. Bob asked Bob asked, is there anything we can pray for you about? And I thought it was pretty general. And then you forgot your glasses. So we left, and we were almost out of the parking lot. Dave, I forgot my glasses. All right, so, all right. So we drove back. Bob, you're on. Oh. So I went into the restaurant to get my glasses. They were sitting on the counter, and the young lady who had been our server came up and took me aside. She said, I didn't have the heart to tell you when you asked me how to pray because I thought I would cry. But my husband and I are hoping to have children. We'd either like children by adoption or naturally, but that would really mean the world if you prayed with me about that. So, but that was a big deal to her. You prayed with her too, correct? Yeah, I prayed with her right there. So here I am waiting, waiting, and if you don't know me. <laughs> wow. We get along, we get along so well together. Wow. I love to make him wait. I tell so this may be saying I'm slightly impatient. It's like, okay, Bob, how long does it take to find glasses? Where are they? Even? Yes. And then he comes in with this story. Yes, I found them. And this, our waitress said, hey, I wasn't honest, could I? And I prayed with her. What are you going to say then? You know, it's like, dog. If you have the mindset, this is why we're here, I wouldn't have been impatient. I wouldn't have been thankful. And I was. Like, I was. So, all right. Yes, go, please. There's a book called Tactics by Greg Kukul, K-O-U-K-L. Um, we studied it at my old church, and it is exactly this. It's like the ambassador program, and it shows you how to just talk to people. And one of the first examples it gives in the book is they're at a grocery store or something, and a girl has like a pentagram necklace on, and he starts a conversation with her about it, and it leads into some other issues, and it's, it's just asking a question and letting them talk and lead themselves into more in-depth conversation and hopefully be able to interject God. And the purpose isn't to convert them right then and there. It's to touch them and make them think. So it's a really good book. I highly recommend it. I've talked to Pastor about it, and he's going to get it and read it and see about incorporating the ambassador program. Okay. Um, so, yeah, but it, it's, it goes with this where you can the praying at the table and things like that, and you just open that door a little bit, mm -hmm. and God will just leave. Mm -hmm. Amen. 
And, and again, and I really appreciate you know, what was shared earlier, um, this is just joining Jesus. You know, like, certainly that's Greg's book. It's not, it's not our own. We don't have those, it belongs to God, always has. It's just getting better in tune. And uh, we're also only responsible for sowing seeds. We can't make anybody. We just sow the seeds. The end result is. Yeah, no, no. Sow the seed, though. I suppose I should recognize my wife. Go ahead. <laughs> I just wanted to comment on this little section here, the promise of my father upon you, Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, we think, okay, we're going to ask God why. Why did you plan, use us as the plan? And when Chip was talking about sending hmm. the disciples out and they had no idea what they were doing. You have to speak up, sweetie. So they had no idea what they were doing or we feel like we're not um, capable or we don't know how to talk to people. Um, just the realization, though, that it isn't us, it's the Holy Spirit in us that gives us the power and the words to do all this. That is really comforting, you know. Yeah. <laughs> do I have an amen? Okay, let's... Time for an offering. Here we go. We are Lutheran. <clears throat> okay. Um, where am I here? So let's take the, number two. Yeah. God accomplishes his mission. How? By sending his word, the gospel message, throughout the world. Always his plan. That's what he states. Our Lord regularly refers to himself in John's gospel as the one sent. Uh, if you knew Greek, that would be apostello. That's where it comes from, the root stem. By his father, sent by his father to save the world. Right? We heard that in John 3.17 in the gospel this morning. Last verse, 5.36, uh, That's the uh, often called the high priestly prayer. That is really the true Lord's Prayer. When we say the Lord's Prayer, that's the disciples' prayer. Because Jesus didn't have to pray for forgiveness. And a few other things, right? Just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, including the well-known statement to his disciples in chapter 20 of John, as the Father has sent me, guess what? Even so, I am sending you. We recognize the necessity uh, of God sending his son into the world because the world has no desire or capacity to come to him. The capacity especially. I, you know, I, love, I love the scripture, God has set eternity in the hearts of men. So that is there. They, they know there's something. There's something wrong can't figure it or maybe they reject it because they've seen Christians and that's just not for them. We recognize the necessity of God sending a son into the world because the world has no desire or capacity to come to him. Certainly find that in Romans 3.10, Augsburg Confession 2 on original sin, which I talked about today too. We cannot build our ministry in the 21st century on the false hope that the unsaved will somehow find their way to the church in order to hear the gospel. That really never was true. I, I know there was an attraction model back when, do this, do that, and people will come. Yeah, even then I, I cringe a little bit. Sometimes that helped and worked, and we always have to be friendly, so don't hear otherwise. Um, but in and of themselves, it, it, it can't happen. But the Holy Spirit will draw them, and he uses the word of God, and he uses your witness with that word. Rather, the Lord tells us by word and example that the gospel must be sent to the unsaved in order to keep for them to hear and be saved. So please now listen to Romans 10. By the way, this is in that section, uh, it's Romans 9, 10, and 11, that Paul takes up 
the question, if the word of God is so good, so he's just gone through Romans. I mean, it's incredible outline. So eight is that we can't be separated from the love of God at the end. What's going to separate us? Nothing. Then he gets into Romans 9 because he is, he is writing to a church undoubtedly started by those that were at, at Pentecost, come here, lay people. They start the church. It's phenomenal. And he wants them to know. He writes this incredible book to them. And then he gets to Romans 9 because he is confident. He's, he knows. The Holy Spirit is leading him to say, I bet you they're wondering if the word of God is so powerful, what happened to the Jews? They had the word of God. Look at them. They're a mess. And so he wrote, writes Romans 9, 10, and 11. Here in 10, he has these words. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher, a proclaimer? How will they preach proclaim unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things, good tidings. However, they did not all heed the good news. Now he's talking about the Jews that didn't believe again. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report. So guess what? Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. But folks, they've got to hear it. They've got to hear it. Go out there. The divine sending, while centered... Oh, did you have something, Chip? Maybe it. No, sorry, sorry. Oh, sorry. The divine sending, while centered in our Lord Jesus Christ, includes his church, all those baptized into him, into him and Christo, individually and collectively. As God's people receive the promised gift of the Holy Spirit, so not only the 12, but everyone, for you and your children, it says, whom the Lord has first sent to the apostles, the Holy Spirit, they are empowered and sent into their everyday world to proclaim the excellencies, everyday world, his ex excellencies of him who called them out of darkness into his marvelous light. Jesus says to us, and I think, Bob, this picks up on what you were saying. As you are going, therefore, as you're living and as you are going with me, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and remember the promise and lo, I am with you always. This is all one thing. I'm with you. You're traveling with me. I'm traveling with you. We're going out there. We're going to proclaim the excellencies. The Lord's mission is accomplished as the gospel is proclaimed throughout the world by the baptized as they go about their everyday lives. You don't have to have this. You do not. You need to proclaim the excellent. Peter said to them, this is the Acts 2 where we understand the Holy Spirit is poured out. Repent and each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. That'd be me, as many others. As many as the Lord our God will call to himself. In Luke 24, when we know the Holy Spirit came to the disciples, and behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, that you are to stay into the city as we were before until you are clothed with power from on high. Let's see if we can finish three here. Maybe four. The focus of God's love and therefore his mission. So who's the focus on? Who's the focus on? The whole world. 
You don't have to wonder if God loves this person, if he wants them in the kingdom. You don't know. He does. We are meant to love them as does God. Our Lord desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Rather than the church seeing herself as the primary focus of his saving grace, don't look internally. The Lord intends that she, his body, fix her attention on the fields that are white unto the harvest. This is Jesus speaking. We must ask ourselves, are we focused primarily on Christ's ministry to the church, or are we focused primarily on his ministry to the world with the church sharing in his missionary calling, his missionary vocation? I'm not saying that things internally aren't important. Do not hear that. Doctrine is important. How we conduct ourselves is important. But we do that with the focus being the world that does not know him. Our Lord desires not only that all people hear the gospel and believe, but also that all the peoples of the earth join him in his ongoing ministry of proclaiming the gospel. Maybe you could underline that. Join him. Join him. And quite frankly, sometimes you look at persecution, I think, is coming our way. I think it's already in this country. Join him. Uh, you don't have to wonder if he's going to be there with you. He's already there. He's in, uh, he's in the future. Him who was and is and who is yet to be. That's our God. Pat. <laughs> I know you want to finish, but this is just something I want to point out because I struggled with this when I was um, a young mom with four kids at home. Chelsea. My whole world, my whole world, when you say to the whole world, my whole world then was my kids at home, my church family, maybe the people in the pediatrician's office and at the grocery store that I talked to. That was my whole world. And I always felt guilty that I wasn't going out. But... God sent us to, he sent me to my parents, he sent me to my neighbors, but he sent me to my children too. And to just yeah, be yeah. purposeful in teaching them what does agape love look like? You don't like that child in your class, but maybe they had a bad day. Maybe you need to sit by them at lunch and just, you know, realistically see that as your work. Everyday life, right, yeah. for them, you're teaching them. Yeah, if there's anything good about our kids, do to Pat, let me just say. <laughs> fact. Um, let me continue here, though. The centuries-old mission paradigm of the rest, the West, that's us, reaches the rest, <laughs> has exploded. It's gone in a vast global missionary enterprise in which no national church may claim the primary role in God's mission to the world. God has called every Christian to the mission. Rather, the Lord continues to call his church from the nations around the world to work mutually in sending and receiving labors for the harvest until the day when our Lord's mission is complete and the new creation has fully arrived. I'm just, there's much to unpack there, but I'm going to go to four and then I'll, uh, I will let you leave. Thank you. Four, the church on earth is God's mission outpost in the world, engaging communities through local congregations. I just want you to know the church is God's idea. He's got a plan for it. We're, 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 we're becoming more awake to it. The church is a living organism, not a museum. It's, not, it's, it's a hospital for saints. It's a hospital for sinners, I should say, not a museum for saints. It is being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Out of living stones, this temple is being built, living, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. These living stones 
who also comprise the city built on a hill, also in the Sermon on the Mount, are its members, the salt of the earth and the light of the world, who continually and prayerfully are building relationships in the community and gaining understanding of the community in order to discover how best to serve their community as servants of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. By the way, someone that teaches English regularly and is a brilliant author said, wow, Meyer, that's one sentence. <laughs> and I diagrammed it, and it actually works. I'm not sure people will understand it, but it was, it was done okay. Sorry, I will change that. So, <laughs> just saying. Okay, I hope, I hope that was a blessing to you. Just the great calling that God has given each and every one of us. Let, let not, you not be heard saying, I can't preach like Paul, right? Who can? Or Pastor Tanetti. But we can tell the love of God. We can say he died for all. So uh, with that blessing, uh, Heavenly Father, be with this family of God that is here present. Open and awake uh, to our calling to proclaim your excellencies to a world, dear Lord, in darkness that desperately needs the light of the world. That's us. Uh, that is especially you. As we carry you, Jesus, into this world, may we do it with joy that others may ask about the hope that we have. We pray this holy Jesus in your name. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. Nice stuff, Meyer. Gosh, Bob, thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You know what? It's been a full weekend. How is the nine? Thank you.